It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I tell you, this station will be operational as planned. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. Episode 147 of Full Ascent. I am the Mike Pilot with me, my co-host Brian Young. We're uh, going to fly alone together, but with somebody else tonight. We're going to have uh, the uh, wonderful Chris Taylor is joining us this evening. Uh, but before we do that, I-, I wanted to pitch this by you, Brian. You know, so we- we've seen Star Wars now several times over the last week. How many How many times have you seen it so far? Uh, six times now. I, I got eight. Oh, look at you. I uh, Monday yeah, I and Tuesday, I'm taking my mom and then Ariana's mom to a viewing as well. So I'll be at eight by Tuesday. But, you know, I'm, a little, I'm not saying I'm Star Wars out, but there's, you know, we're a little bit away from Rogue One, so we don't have to rush towards that. And we're certainly not close to episode eight quite yet. So tonight I thought instead of the typical Star Wars talk or breakdown of episode seven that we should continue at some point, I thought maybe we'd, we'd uh, go over the hateful eight. And break that movie down for everybody this week. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I'll give it a go. Well, it's just like when I don't read a book and you tell me about it. You can just comment on like, I'm kidding. We're not going to do the hateful eight people. We're going to talk about Star Wars. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, we didn't get around to a, a bunch of, of people last week. Uh, there's a couple characters we didn't really get into, right? Yeah, there's, um, there's that. Chris was actually at the premiere, and we'll talk to him about that. And uh, there's some more theories, and I, it's it's weird. I'm I'm seeing all the articles I wrote after seeing it like once or twice because I was on deadline. Yeah, that are like coming out now, and I'm like, man, I needed to see the movie four more times before I should have been allowed to write that. All right, you have to soak it in. Yeah, there's just so much more, and you absorb it the more you see it. So stuff that I thought might have been an issue on viewing one or even three isn't an issue now. And now I have different questions than I did before. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to things that were an issue previously because there are people that haven't watched the movie as many times as you have. And uh, maybe this will help them out. We did get a lot of uh, emails and uh, me personally texts from people about how uh, our breakdown episode right after we saw the movie, how well it helped them understand some things. So thank you guys for sending that stuff in. It makes me feel good. I It makes me feel good as well. Mike forwarded a lot of it to me, and uh, I like hearing that people like us. So you can feel free to let us know that at any time. They like us. They really like us. And Amy this week, she's doing important things, right? Just so people don't think that Amy's gone too. We miss Bobby, but Amy will be back. Amy is with her family for Christmas this this weekend. And uh, Bobby, don't think you're you're gonna get away with not ever hearing Bobby again. We'll yeah. get him back. Yeah, it'll just take some time. He he just needs to remember what life was like before podcasting for a little while to realize how badly he misses. He it. went to go find the oldest podcast temple in the galaxy, and he's hanging out. He's seeing some stuff. He'll be back. I'm convinced of it. If yeah. not, like on a regular capacity, he'll be back for episodes. I'm sure. Yeah. Definitely. All right, Brian. So uh, without any further ado, we got Chris on the line. Chris, welcome back to Full of Sith. We love having you. Thank you. It's always great to be back. Oh, so cool. So we're going to discuss a lot of stuff. We talked about that in the intro of the show. And Brian was telling me about that you were at the premiere yourself. That's right. One of the best nights of my life. Well, if you're going to say that, then we definitely have to hear some stories. We have to hear what, (laughs) give us a play-by-play of the Star Wars The Force Awakens premiere. It's yeah, it's so weird. I mean, the the whole thing from start to finish just felt like this fairy tale, right from the fact that uh, you know I, I got the I got the ticket and I I had to make uh, the hotel bookings, uh, all of this. They they don't even tell you which theater you're going to see it in until the, the very last second. Which one did you see it at? 
Ended up seeing it in the Dolby Theatre. Oh, cool! Fantastic. That's where that's where George was. That's where you know Bob Iger did his introduction. He introduced the whole cast on stage. Cool. I mean, you could not ask for a more you know hyped up sensation <laughs> as you're going into the movie. And it's the Dolby Theatre, you know, where they do the Oscars. It's yeah. uh, you know you you can picture that in your head. It's just such a fantastic space. Um, but before all that, we had all the red carpet, and before all that. You know, I had to figure out all these logistics. How am I going to get there? I, I book a hotel that happens to be right next to where the where the tent uh, is being constructed. You know, this three block long tent that yeah. they uh, that they built for the premiere. Um, I mean, it just all fell together in the most marvelous way. And uh, I was doing interviews on the red carpet uh, before going in to see the the movie, and the interviews were going on for so long. You know, and uh, I was holding on because you know Harrison Ford is coming down the line. I've got to, you know, I got to, I got to talk to this guy. I got to see what I can do about interviewing him. But at the same time, I don't even know if I'm going to get my ticket. You know, it's they put the tickets over at Will Call, which ah. is like two city blocks away. There are metal detectors on the sidewalks. I mean, the security for this thing was insane. Were you packing? Is that what you were worried about getting in? <laughs> I was not, but you know what? <laughs> there were all these stormtroopers around. It's really weird. You, you see these first order stormtroopers walk through on the red carpet, and then three seconds later, like uh, you know, the same number of LAPD. Yeah, it's pretty intimidating. Uh, you know, it's it's got to be. I mean, this must have been a really interesting like cap off to quite a long journey you had too. I mean, right before you got to do this, weren't you in, uh, in South America? You were in Brazil. Yes. Uh, promoting your book, hanging out with Tim Zahn the whole time. That's right. The book had just launched in Brazil, and uh, the publishers were very kind to to fly me over for uh, for Comic-Con down there, Comic-Con Sao Paulo, which is one of the craziest Comic-Cons I've ever experienced. It is insane. It's only in its second year, and it's already huge. Um, it has so much, uh, so much to see, so much, you know, so many corporate... Um, stands there there was a giant ball pit from uh pixar for finding dory um it was one of my favorite things that's cool um and my publishers had built this giant uh replica of the moss eisley cantina um that tim and i were doing signings in and Sweet. it was just wild and i was you know that was it was one of those situations you have to keep pinching yourself it's like am, am i really here you you're sure you don't just want to see Tim over there. I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> I do that when, whenever I'm around Tim, <laughs> uh, Tim is awesome. I got to, got to know him and his wife, Anna very well. And, um, it was, yeah, it was another fairy tale experience. And then I had to fly straight back, uh, by a very brief stop in, in San Francisco to change my luggage and have a quick interview with Spanish television, um, uh, about the book. The book isn't even out in Spain yet. And, um, and they, still wanted to talk about it so so that was weird in itself and then straight down to the premiere and it just yeah it just sounds like the 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 longest humble brag in history but it was um it was it was a dream come true and i managed to get one word out of harrison ford what was that word word was that (laughs) the word was fondly (laughs) what was the question (laughs) the question was it doesn't matter i know right it almost doesn't matter and and people would ask me afterwards, you know, what was the question? I was like, I can't tell you spoilers. So, if any listeners haven't seen the Force Awakens yet, they should probably uh, they should probably turn off now. Um, but it was uh, I, I sort of knew the big spoiler coming up. I knew what was going to happen to him in the movie, so I wanted to sort of ask him about that without making it an overt spoiler. So my question was. You know, if at some time in the near future your association with the Star Wars franchise has to end, um, how will you remember your your time in it? Wow, well, that's a good answer. And he just he did that Harrison Ford look. Of, he just looks at you like you you're insane. Huh. <laughs> I think uh, going to the the press conference that they did in L.A. Mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, uh, it seemed like every word out of his mouth. Uh, was accompanied by that look of like all you people are insane. Why am I still talking about Star Wars? It's fun this time, but I'm not sure. And and most of that was aimed at John Boyega too. <laughs> so you said about you had a, you had an idea of what was going to happen in the movie before you saw it, and yes. because of that 
that whole press tour and the way Harrison Ford was acting and just other little things that me and Brian try to stay away from spoilers as much as possible. But other little things, you know, as a fan of Star Wars, you you, you pick up on little things. So we, we a lot of us also had that same idea of that that was going to go down. Mm. It's, it's still, but when, when you see it on screen, it's it's even after seeing it, you know, six times, it's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. This is why spoilers don't really, you know, I, I'm happy to take in all the spoilers that exist because I think that, you know, it will never tell you how it's going to happen, how you're going to feel when, you know, when that happens to Han. And it's not going to tell you just those beautiful little details, like the way the way he touches Ben's face. Yeah, and, that's my big, know. my big uh, upset point. Mm-hmm. In, you were there at the premiere then. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the cast watching it in that screening? Like, were you in the room when with all of them when that went down? Well, it's, it's you know it's a giant theater, the Dolby Theater, and I'm not sure exactly what happened to the cast, but um, they were they were just ushered off stage. I think maybe they were watching it backstage somewhere. I don't know. Uh, certainly, you know, George was right there in the middle of the audience, uh, next to Spielberg on one side, Melody Hobson on the other. Um, I imagine that they'd sort of ushered the cast somewhere to some seats that we couldn't well, see. Well, I guess my question is: is watching it in an audience? Mm. like that how do you think the i mean presumably you've seen it since then yes several times a civilian audience (laughs) um what what was the feeling in the room there with an audience like that i mean were you constantly looking over to george lucas to see how nonplussed he was (laughs) exactly trying to read an emotion on george's face (laughs) like uh you know the emotion is generally "Eh, yeah i wouldn't have done it that way um but but no, the, the the hush that came over the room at that point. I mean, I, I sort of feel like everyone in that theater was on the edge of their seats the whole time. I know I was. Uh, everyone was sort of leaning forward so expectantly into into the screen almost. And um, it was it was exactly like watching it with a civilian audience, just just a bigger theater. Uh, you know, everyone cheers when the Falcon first shows up. You know. By the way, I think one of the best reveals for any character, or you know, which in many ways the Falcon is a character. You know, it's yeah. a, the way that the camera pans round. Okay, the garbage will do. You know, uh, oh, such a good moment. Always gets applause. Every theater I've seen it in. Uh, you know, the laugh lines always get get laughter and cheers. You know, BB-8 uh- putting his thumb up with the with the the lighter. I mean, it's just. Almost like, and you know, every time Han falls off the off the scaffolding, it's off that bridge. It's uh, it's just you can feel that silence in the theater. You can feel everyone's heart sinking, and you know, you can feel the feels. Well, Brian brought up something very interesting when we were talking about the movie after I saw it the first time, and then again on the show last weekend. And I didn't really give it any thought until I heard him say it, which is what's great about discussing Star Wars with your friends and other fans is, how did you say it, Brian, about the mentor? Yeah, the mentor in a Star Wars movie in the first installment mm. of a trilogy always dies by a red lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was kind of why I was expecting, as soon as that last trailer had come out with Han yeah. Solo saying, you know, it's true, I was like, oh man, they're going to kill him. Yeah. And it's going to be Kylo Ren. I didn't know that their relationship was what it was. Yeah, I was shocked mm. at that. But uh, I was pretty sure it was going to happen just because that's what happens in Star Wars. Just it's, like also, it, it's also something that, that Harrison Ford has wanted for, for low these yeah. many years, right? So he finally got his wish. So um, I'm wondering, um, especially since you've been writing about the film as well, and I, I have been too, and I'm looking at some of the pieces that I wrote um, after having only seen it like once or twice mm. and, and kind of wishing I'd had more viewings and more time to write these pieces. Yes. Um, how has, and, and this question, I'm interested in your answer too, Mike, like how has the film changed over the times you've seen it for you? Like, are there things that are better? Are there things that are worse? What works better or worse after having seen it and being able to really digest it? I think that the first hour especially becomes um, almost a perfect hour of cinema. Uh, I I think that every time I watch it, I'm more and more impressed with the filmmaking of everything up until uh, Hux's big speech at Starkiller Base. 
Um, where it starts know, to kind of like unravel where JJ just didn't pay attention to the political story to make that those stakes seem high enough. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly we've got, you know, huge stakes and we're not even thinking about them before the Hosnian system gets destroyed and we're not even sure what we're looking at there. You know, so it's that I, I still have problems with Starkiller Base and with the uh, the way that it was presented and the, the lack of time for it. I mean, you know, but with so much else going on, it, it sort of doesn't surprise me. I just wish that they'd held it back somehow, maybe maybe for another movie, maybe for episode eight. Um, but but that first hour up to and including the lightsaber vision, uh, yeah. it, it just gets better every time. And all of the you know the first time you're watching it, your your antennae are, are up for for callbacks, right? And you're you know, and I think that's why so many people have mistakenly called it a remake, uh, is because these are the people who have just watched it once, mm-hmm. you know, and and perhaps they don't fully understand the word remake but still you know <laughs> you kind of have that feeling the first time around it's like oh yeah i see that reference oh yeah i see what they did there and even you know even though you're seeing an entirely original story in in the it uh, from the perspective of finn i mean we've never seen a stormtrooper you know uh somehow break off from the ranks and uh you know become an individual in in a star wars movie before you know we've, we've seen similar things to this in in uh, you know in in the clones and um, in rebels well and I I think it's interesting that um, a lot of people have watched the film once and taken that reference to the clones mm. and the way way Finn is raised as a dig at the prequels but I don't um, I don't see it that way I see it yeah. as uh, a continuation of that where the Jedi took those children mm-hmm. and trained them from birth and everyone seemed okay with it and now that stormtroopers are doing it you know now that now that the first order is doing it now it's bad i don't know maybe maybe it was a misstep for, for the jedi as well and, yeah. uh, and but it also shows that it is a, a legitimate and viable way to build an army yeah well and, and, and the discussions and, are ongoing you know about which is best well and it's so obvious that kylo ren would have a fondness for the uh, the military force that his grandfather used to destroy the Jedi. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I didn't read that as a dig at the prequels at all. I brought, I read that as, you know, what happened in the prequels is still being discussed in this galaxy. It's still part of the character's timeline. Well, I, I haven't actually, every time I watch the movie, I don't see that there are any digs at the prequels. No. Um, and in fact, I think it's hilariously ironic that Simon Pegg's character is a cyclical repeat of Watto, <laughs> which I think he would be upset at if he had paid more attention to the prequels. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think he hates everything about the prequels. He has certain bees in his bonnet, uh, you know, and, and I think he went in expecting something entirely different, but. I think, you know, a lot of people who dig at the prequels uh, can still enjoy the elements of it. And I think Watto is one of those elements. You know, he's, you know, he's the fun scrapyard guy. And, you know, you can, you can enjoy that scene with Qui-Gon and you can enjoy the fact that he's resistant to, uh, to the Jedi mind trick. Well, and, you know, I, you I, would definitely, I would definitely rather have a beer with Watto than Qui-Gon. Or not Qui-Gon, <laughs> uh, Ankar Plutt. Yes, I'd I'd much rather hang out with Qui Gon than either of those two guys put together. But. Oh yeah, well he would only buy you one quarter beer. Yeah, so let's back up a second. I want to talk about uh, Chris. You mentioned about people saying that it was a remake, and you're saying that maybe they don't understand what remake means. Now, I've been a very, very, very long time fan of Star Wars, and I'm not a movie critic, and I'm not. I don't take movies too seriously and i try to keep my expectations low and i went into this movie on the first screening and i was i was left speechless and when brian asked me what i thought i told him i needed to process it and watch it again which is where i was heading and then i didn't see too much negativity about it on you know social media the first couple days but then i did start hearing things about well it's 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 exactly the same as you know uh a new hope and it's mm. all these elements are the same and all they did was just reboot the, the franchise and, and, and watching this movie and knowing all the things that, like you said, he and Tan and I were up to, to catch all the, the callbacks and stuff, mm. even mm-hmm. doing that, I, I still didn't look at this film in this way. Now, do you feel it's just, 
now that now that everybody has seen it, well, most people have seen it, and they've tried to pick it apart as much as they could. That are just getting back onto the snark train, or why do you think that's that's happening? Well, I think that if you just leave it at one, you know, if you're one and done, and uh, you you've seen it once, you do get that get that sensation of it's not quite remake, but it's like it's shuffling the deck. And this is this I, I started to make this point earlier about Finn and the whole uh, Stormtrooper timeline. It's like when you watch that you know, a second or third or fourth time, you see, oh, this is a completely original story. I think you see it that first time, and you're, you're so in that mode of looking for callbacks that you're like, oh, they've, they've just sort of shuffled the deck a little bit, and this is, you know, this is the card that was played in New Hope when Han and Luke are in Stormtrooper costume, right? But that happens in real life all the time anyway. I mean, it's yeah. Not, yeah. You, you know, you live long enough, you see the same eyes and different I mean, people. I yeah. can't tell you how many situations I've gotten out of by stealing people's Stormtrooper costumes <laughs> and going in his disguise. Some of my best stories start that way, Brian. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think if people would have watched Phantom Menace with that, with that eye too, they would have seen more into it. I, I So I think it's weird how people approached Phantom Menace the first time mm. and how they're approaching force awakens the first time in that way because i think there's obviously rhymes through phantom menace and a new hope and this being the opening uh chapter of a new trilogy um yeah and i, mean, and I like that i think that's 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 a feature not a bug of star wars i think the, the key word is immersion and i think that the second time around you're you're able to immerse yourself far more into the universe yeah and uh, you know, I think that that's true of every Star Wars movie. I think it's, I think it is possibly more true of Force Awakens. It's easier to immerse yourself more immediately. Well, those things were like with Han says to Chewie when they get on the Falcon is we're home. So that, yeah. that sitting there in the theater for the first couple of viewings, that's how I felt. I felt that I am watching Star Wars. Yes, and the dialogue is so spare, and I think that this is, you know, not not to not to take a Phantom Menace, not to take the prequels, you know, it's an important part of Star Wars. We all know that, but you know, the 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 dialogue. I think the dialogue of Star Wars sort of has to hit a certain threshold. It's never been, you know, Academy Award winning dialogue, but it has to allow you to immerse yourself into the movie. And I think some people with the dialogue of Phantom Menace, it just didn't quite reach that threshold. Um, but with Force Awakens, because Kazdan has sort of, you know, uh, rewritten it and rewritten it and, you know, got it down to that really spare kind of, you know, you know, this will help make things better. Uh, the, what's, what's the other line at the start from, uh, uh Max von Sydow is like, you know, the, the general to me, she is royalty. Um, you know, just, just these tiny little spare little phrases that tell you a lot of backstory or allow you to imagine a lot of backstory, but don't, don't bog you down in any way. It just allows the yeah. plot to keep moving. And, and especially for people who have never seen a star Wars movie. Yeah. 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 That too. Or haven't seen one for 30 years. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, how the film, uh, how, how many, how many times I can see it and still pick things out in that immersion. Um, for example, for example, the, the force vision, I'm still, I like, I've seen mm. the film eight times and I'm still hearing and seeing new things in the force vision. I think that's probably the most rich minefield. Of there's stuff there's a lot out. of information in that that you, that a lot of people, when they first see it, aren't looking for, and then they hear us talking about it and then they go to look for it. Like this last time when I saw it last night, I swear I heard Palpatine laughing. Hmm. And that would that would, that would explain sense. Sam Witwer's voice in the additional uh, the voices. additional voices credit. Mm. Yeah, and so it's, so we've already got a confirmed Obi Wan, or rather two confirmed Obi Wans. Yeah, a confirmed Yoda and a Palpatine. And I and I think I mean obviously it, it sort of counts. Vader's breathing as Anakin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. And and I love the idea that that Hayden Christensen almost made it into this movie too. Like, there's. Uh, have you guys checked out the Art of the Force Awakens book? No, sorry. Um, yeah, I would. It, it's it's surprising to me. I flipped it open. I need to go buy a copy, but I spent maybe fifteen twenty minutes at a Barnes and Noble going through it, and it surprised me. It felt more like a making of Star Wars book than one of the art books, 
but in order to contextualize so much of the art, they had to tell you how the story had evolved. So mm. they go through Arndt's drafts and all of the art that they were making through those drafts. So the original characters, Ray was supposed to be a character named Kira, mm-hmm. and there was a character named Sam, and they were brother and sister, and, and um, Hayden Christensen had made his way into some of the art for some of this Force Vision kind of stuff as Ghost Anakin. Mm. Um, so it's mm. definitely a book I'm going to have to to pick up and dive deeper into to kind of get that sense of what... Michael Arndt's draft of the script was going to be. Oh, I really want to know that. That's. I mean, th- this is the story that's going to start to come out now. I mean, we we. I don't know if you guys saw what Pablo posted on uh, on Twitter yesterday about the title of the movie. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't see that. He said that the the title of the movie was for an alarmingly long time, uh, Shadow of the Empire. I, which I'm sure they 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 got rid of because of the whole shadows of the empire thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, he, I mean, he, he was teasing it at first. He was saying for the longest time, the TFA TFA title was the same as an old novel. Thankfully it changed. And then yeah. someone followed up and said, which old novel? And he said, shadow singular of the empire. Wow. That would have been a bit of a that was, different movie. <laughs> I think Kylo Ren is already upsetting expanded universe fans. Yes. If they would have called it Shadow of the Empire, I think that would have just sent them over the edge. <laughs> so you're getting a lot of Kylo hate out there. Why do you think mm. that's happening, Brian? Well, I think there's two reasons for Kylo hate. First, he killed Han Solo. Sure. Like, mm. that's worthy of our hatred. Um, I think yes. there's... Plus patricide. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. Like, any dude killing Han Solo. Yeah. Um, I think I think part of it too. Uh, there's a small contingent of people who find him too petulant and whiny, and then I'm like, guys, he's a Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then I think there's another contingent who find him to be Jason Solo light and prefer Jason Solo and wished he would have been Jason Solo and become a Sith Lord like Jason Solo. Hmm. But that maybe that is the track that he's on anyway. Who knows? We didn't hear a lot of mention of Sith. Well, we 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 did. You know, Maz mentioned it, um, mm. and he's obviously he's obviously interested in the career of his grandfather. Mm. Um, and and that brings me to to Snoke too. I love that we have no idea what the hell's going on with him still. After eight oh. viewings, I still know basically that he's the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. And my guess is he's he's actually diminutive. He has to be really small. He's overcompensating for something. Starting, (laughs) I'm starting to get the idea that all those scars on his face were at the direct result. Were all the direct result of Luke Skywalker? Hmm. Uh, Have we have we uh, considered the Snoke Plagueis theory? Uh, you know that which can be asserted without evidence can be equally (laughs) thrown out without evidence. I heard a lot of people bring that up. Just real quick, I I hate to go back, but my my Mm -hmm. problem with Kylo Ren, um, I, I expect the the hissy fits and all that stuff. I, I have no issue with that. My issue with Kylo Ren is I've always been a guy that's kind of going for the bad guy. I've been a, a huge Darth Vader fan my whole life. And people ask me, so you must like Kylo Ren because he's a bad guy too. And, and, and Kylo Ren is not bad. Like Vader was, did bad things, but Vader wasn't bad to the bone. I hate to use that expression, but <laughs> Kylo Ren is just a selfish bratty bad guy he's just a bad dude he's just saying and i think watching the movie more and more again has actually softened me on him really mm. yeah um oh I he think, definitely gets better and scarier well the light is definitely in him and that's what i really enjoy about him because i know mm. this is going to be a redemption arc right it has to be and if it doesn't it's not going to be because they didn't lay the foundation for it but think about the scene where he's fighting ray and finn right after he's murdered his father and like a sith he's been told over and over and over again the thing you want will be given to you if you do this thing you don't want to do so with anakin you have to kill all the jedi you'll save your mother Mm. with luke he's told by palpatine if you join me now you'll save all your friends luke was smart enough to know that wasn't the case Mm -hmm. snoke tells kylo if you kill your father, you will kill that lightness you dislike about yourself. Mm. Yeah, it, not not in so many words. 
And then he kills his father and realizes that there's grief there, that that's not going to do it. And his, and his father did it with such, in such a selfless way, as such a selfless act, that how could you hate him after that when he willingly did that for you because you said that's what you needed? And yeah, so when yeah. Chewie shoots him and he's trying to tap into his rage, he doesn't have rage, he's sad. He only has pain, and he has to tap into that to tap into the dark side. Which is why fight, he keeps hitting himself. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I he think he keeps thumping himself, and he, he, it's almost like he pursues Finn and Ray to give him something to do, so that he doesn't, you know, allow himself to wallow in his grief. Yeah, he doesn't want to think well, about it. And there's there's other clues too that I keep thinking about, like in the Force Vision. Right? Mm. Why does the ship that drops Ray off fold into a red square, a red a red rectangle? Right. Mm-hmm. Red through the whole movie is indicative of the first order. Right. Um, and what if and, and again, we have no idea what actually went down with Luke and his old Jedi pals um that Kylo murdered, but what if what if, let's say for the sake of argument, Ray is a Skywalker, mm-hmm. which would make her his cousin, and she's four or five when all this goes down. And that sentimentality in Kylo, he can't kill her, even though he's told he has to. He obviously has vast powers of mind wiping mm. or mind control. He wipes her brain and sends her away, never wanting to see her again instead of killing her, which he thinks is good enough. Mm. I like this theory. And yeah, so- that, that would make sense because if, if, a, if a good, if someone on the side of light dropped Ray off on Jakku, then, then that is kind of a dick move. Yeah, and really. so Luke leaves because he thinks his daughter's dead. Mm. That would definitely explain his look at the end. Like, what so, the... Who the... Yeah, I don't know. So that's why I really like... I'm, I'm really digging into Kylo and thinking about these sorts of things. Yeah, I like that he is perfectly poised between the two, and I like that he sort of spends almost exactly half his time in the movie in the mask, and then he takes it off, and it's like another level of Kylo Ren. You know, once we see Adam Driver's face... Once we see the torture on that face, you know, it brings in extra dimensions, this character. I mean, uh, when the original Star Wars came out, I was too young to have the kind of thoughts about Darth Vader at the time that I'm having mm-hmm. about Kylo Ren now as a 40 year old. So mm-hmm. more story and uh, more time may lead me there. But I'm just saying initially right now, I have that, that issue that he's just a bad guy. But Brian, you're, the, the last theory that you just brought up, uh, kind of goes along with what I wanted to share with you guys too. So you have Ray arriving on the base and R2 is in sleep mode the whole time. And then Ray gets onto the base and suddenly R2 wakes up. Now R2 is in sleep mode and apparently, or to me, he would be waiting around for Luke. He's because C3PO even says something along those lines after Luke left, he just went into sleep mode. And so now Ray gets on the base and he detects DNA of a Skywalker. Uh, He knows that Leia is, Lay is there. He doesn't detect her as because he already knows her as being a Skywalker. So Ray mm. comes and he feels that DNA. He, he sees I like that presence. Your theory. Go ahead. I like your theory, Mike. But you know, Abrams has already said R two went into low power mode to collate data to find Luke. Yeah, I don't get. Yeah, I don't buy it and, though, Brian. I read that. He, I don't buy it. He also said something. It was BB eight who who made the final, uh, who said the final thing to R two to get him to wake up. Like there's some conversation that happens off screen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I like that. As I mean, you know, the, there, there are four Ray theories that that I've been able to identify. There may be more. Um, you know, you, you got the Skywalker theory. You've got the the Han and Leia theory, which is least likely in my mm-hmm. mind. You've got the Kenobi theory, yeah, which I'm most intrigued by. And then you've got the she's just someone ordinary. Well, and and uh, last week I laid out a uh, what if the next step in Force Ghosts is them being able to inhabit people or pass on their 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 forciness to another mm. person, and so maybe she could just be another person, but is inhabited by the spirit of a Skywalker. Or she could just have to to bring the prequels back again a high midichlorian count. Yeah, she could be an immaculate conception, just like Anakin was, and just be somebody else. Well, anything is possible. Perhaps it, it was Snoke slash Plagueis who was, uh, you know, manipulating midi-chlorians to create life again. 
and uh, the result was right this time. I it's possible. See, this it is why it's possible. hard to do a podcast because then you just sit here in this total mm. silence. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. But it is, I mean, it's important to, to bring in a little piece of Star Wars history here, which is what George Lucas kind of vaguely said all those years ago were his plans for the sequel trilogy. And one part of the idea was you, you would get to see, you know, who was the big bad guy behind the Emperor. You know, that, that every time every time you uh, you go to a different trilogy, you kind of level up, hmm. you know, and uh, there, there's always a bigger fish. To, to yeah. Phantom well, and that—that's—I mean, like Snoke is literally a Phantom Menace, right? Mm, he um, he—he's not corporeal in any way that we see in the movie. He's obviously pulling the strings and manipulating people, and people are mm. aware of this manipulation in the novelization. He talks about how he watched the Empire rise and fall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's as old as Maz, at least. Yeah. Well, maybe not as old as maybe Maz. Not, I mean, yeah, maybe not. A he could be years. he could be a hundred years old and still mm. have seen all of that. Mm. Um, but it, it's interesting. I don't know. I've really have have either of you dived into the novelization at all? Yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. A, you know, it's it's very Alan Dean Foster. It 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 is. <laughs> but it there is. are those those flashes, those moments where you're like, ah, okay, that makes sense. Have you gotten to Maz's castle yet in the book? Uh, no, I'm just about there. Okay, well then I won't I won't ruin it for you, but uh, there's a scene that brings uh, Unkar plot back into the story, and uh, I wish it had been in the movie. Interesting. Well, you, yeah. you can totally spoil it. I'm, I'm comfortable okay. with spoilers. Well, he sho- he shows up on at Maz's castle mm-hmm. um, to steal back the Millennium Falcon, and he's clearly pissed at Ray about it, <laughs> and uh, Chewie intercepts him and tears one of his arms off. <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. exactly something I would see J.J. Abrams trying to get Chewie actually tearing someone's arms off in one of the uh, movies, but it was see, already a PG-13. I can imagine that taking it into our territory very quickly. <laughs> see, if, if if we didn't have Starkiller Base, we didn't have to switch focus to Starkiller Base so quickly. We could have we could have had that scene in the movie. I'd love to have seen that. Well, and I don't. Well, they get away from from that that real quick in the movie. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. hear anything else about it. Everything's destroyed, and then they're just on to the next thing. You know, I'm really interested in in seeing deleted scenes from this movie, mm. um, because I do think, I, and I think it's funny. People are like, "I want a director's cut." It's like, you mean a special edition? Yeah, we were talking yeah. about that last week. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, I because I think that there there is some context missing from the film. If that's if that's my biggest complaint about the film, it's that. Mm. Um, it's I, the, I want to know more about the Hosnian system. I mean, what what exactly I mean, was at stake there? So, and and this is stuff I've had to piece together from the visual dictionary and from the novelization. Mm-hmm. But um, so the Republic, in a bid to separate itself from what the Empire represented, instead of a centralized place seat of power they were going to move the senate so that every every system got to host it for a certain period of time Ah. and so the hosnian system sort of drew the short straw on that one and that shot um it that shot of the hosnian system getting destroyed from on the planet Mm -hmm. is actually a lot more um exciting or or thrilling or or the stakes are a lot higher if you've read a lot of the like the novelization or the um or the uh visual dictionary mm-hmm. because they explain who all the players in that shot are. So you've got yeah. the the new chancellor, Villachem, uh who's that alien guy who's in the foreground. He's the new chancellor. Um standing next to him is I believe her name is Corsella, and she is Leia's envoy from the resistance she was there on a mission to convince the resistance or to convince the uh republic that the resistance was dealing with a threat larger than the republic had any reason to believe um they didn't know about star killer base yet but basically they were they had their indications so she was there to plead on behalf of leia to the republic and standing behind her is a senator from naboo ah. um which again, another another prequel touchstone mm-hmm. that uh, there's so many. If you read the visual dictionary, I think my favorite still is uh, 
Phasma, though. Phasma's one big prequel reference. Oh, interesting. Uh, How's that? So her armor is actually crafted from the hull of a Naboo starship that Palpatine wants. Yes. Owned. Oh, yes. So yeah, she, she's direct callback to Palpatine. Um. So there's a lot of really interesting tiebacks there, but on the Hosnian system, on that front, um, it gets a lot more interesting when you get the politics, which I I think is another irony that people. <laughs> understand like well wait maybe we needed a little bit more politics in Star Wars just one line from yeah. in the Hosnian system you know Chancellor I really think you ought to pay more attention to the First Order you know uh, oh what's that in the sky uh, you know, the First Order <laughs> General Organa has sent me to say you know blah blah three lines of dialogue would would have would have taken care of that yeah. would have given us a sense of the stakes before the Hosnian system gets destroyed. Well, and I think maybe J.J. Abrams probably made a conscious choice not to put a scene that had anything to do with senators other than blowing them up. <laughs> but at least let us know that you're blowing up senators. You know, we don't know yeah, who I anyone mean, is in that scene. Unless you know any of the background material that they've put out since the movie came out, that could be like a really fancy dinner party. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was just some guys on a balcony. Like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, what's, what's that red heck? light in the sky? <laughs> but no, that's no. the seat of government. Ugh, the temporary seat of government. So, yeah. so, so the the Senate is in uh, is in tatters basically at the end. I mean, there's yeah, know, there is there is nothing. There is no the, government. The secretary of the secretary of agriculture, or whoever was designated that day to not be <laughs> the Senate. <laughs> it, it'll probably be a Battlestar reference, so she'll be the Secretary of Education. There you go. <laughs> you can uh, have a have a whiteboard with a list of how many people are still alive in the new republic well and, and i think that makes that that asks and that that begs no that that uh forces me to ask another question mm. how much time do you guys think is going to pass between episode seven and episode eight we've had anything from a few months to a decade pass between episodes of star wars mm. um and we're left in a very interesting situation where the galaxy's political situation is incredibly precarious. There's a big vacuum to be filled there. And we have raised training. And I think a lot of people wanted to pick up moments after this film ends, but I don't think that's in the cards. I, th I think we're going to see at least a couple months, if not a year. I mean, uh, you can imagine 10 years after the fact how strong Ray's going to be at that point. I mean, there's, there's really no growth with the character after that. Well, episode eight started filming what at the end of the summer? Is that right? We we said we had um, pickup scenes. We had scenes with Luke being filmed in but Ireland. I, we know and that. I think, uh, I mean, they said that principal photography was starting next month, though. Okay. So I think anything they might have shot might be preliminary stuff. Uh, so really, can't be more than a few years, you know, if, if Luke is going to look exactly the same. And that they did seem to want to get him straight away uh, as soon as they possibly could to, to film his scenes for episode eight. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's probably going to be the shortest length of time, I would imagine, in the Star Wars universe that's passed. Are we going to skip over Kylo Ren's training then? Or is that what we're going to see? Is, is, oh, this, yeah. movie, is this movie going to be. Um, alternating between Ray's training and Kylo Ren's training, are we going I to get more of what's at stake in the? I think the that's exactly the setup. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of what's at stake as well, but I think that uh, what we're looking at is the Empire Strikes Back model, but with two, yeah, you know, two versions of Yoda's training yeah. going well, on at the same time. And that'll be interesting too. I mean, who is Ray going to? I mean, is Ray going to go back to? Unkar plots and murder everyone. <laughs> if we're if we're referencing Attack of the Clones, or or Return of the Jedi, that's what Luke did mm. with all of Jabba's henchmen. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's part true. of Skywalker training is going and murdering a lot of people on a, a desert planet. Maybe as both Ray and Kylo are being trained, they're both sort of trying to tempt each other away from their training remotely. Like that's the yeah. final test. I guess this is a question I have too. Why did Luke not sense in Empire Strikes Back the entire uh -huh. thing that put Luke in jeopardy is that he sensed Han was in danger and literally uh -huh. tore apart heaven and earth to get there to try to save him. Uh -huh. 
and then put his his Jedi training and the fight against the Empire on hold while he got Han back. Why did he not sense that Han was in danger, and why did he not intercede? Is it because mm-hmm. he learned the lesson the Jedi told him and that he couldn't have those connections? Or is it because he's so despondent because of what happened? What if he's yeah, just I marooned? Think, what if he can't get back? I don't know. He, he seems kind of, you know, ev- everyone, our, our three principles from the previous trilogy all seem a little bit broken in a way. And I think that's deliberate. I don't think it's just that they're, uh, that the actors are a little bit older. You know, Han is, is trying, spends the whole movie sort of trying to paper over the cracks of what life has done to him. You know, and he's he's got those hard won lessons, like you know, women always figure out the truth. Yeah. Um, but he's you know he's he's in worse, he's in deeper bantha pudu than he ever was in a, any previous movie with with his swindling, uh, and he's kind of backslid. And I think Luke similarly has backslid into being more of a hermit. He's just he's just taken up the Obi Wan role. He's he's had he has this PTSD from whatever happened to his Jedi Academy. And, uh, you know, and, and he may sense these things, but he can't, he's not of an age where he can just go out and do anything about it anymore. He's of an age where he just, he, he wants to be a hermit and contemplate and find the first Jedi temple or whatever it is he's, is he's doing. I think that, uh, I think we're, we're very deliberately and consciously seeing the, the sort of sense that that old age has, has broken all of these characters. Well, and the galaxy kind of chewed him up and spit him out yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. And I always got the sense with with Empire when he, you know he moves heaven and earth to to rush off to save Han and friends that there was always a little bit of hey, wait up, you guys. You know, I always got that sense. Maybe that was I was projecting being a kid at the time, but uh, you know, I always felt that, that Luke was sort of missing out because he wasn't with the gang when he went to Dagobah. And he, so he goes because, you know, okay, Obi-Wan told him to go, and he was in this vision, and he has to complete his training, and he understands it's, it's his destiny, and he wants to be a Jedi. But at the same time, I sort of feel like the first excuse he got to go off and see his friends, uh, he jumped at that because there was that sense of teenage, you know, I'm missing out. I've got yeah. FOMO. Oh, man. The cool but, stuff but is happening about, in Cloud City. Think about the line Yoda has, though, where mm-hmm. Luke... Luke, like Yoda tells him, you must not go. And Luke says, and sacrifice Han and Leia. And then Yoda says, if you honor what they fight for, yes. Yes. But that's, and that's maybe just a big that's, grown up discussion he's having with but, Yoda. But maybe that's why he doesn't intercede with Han. Mm. That he will not intercede. He will let Han sacrifice himself because he honors what he fights for. And that's the soul of his nephew. Right. And also, I mean, it, it just happens too quickly, and and it it seems the the outcome seems in doubt. You know, it's not. It really it, does. With with Cloud City, you know that that was the trap was always going to be sprung. Uh, there there was no way out of that really. Uh, you know, as soon as Han was close enough to, you know, Lando, the the person, not the system, um, he was he was going to take that route, and it was it was inevitable with 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 Han and Kylo. You know they're they're on the they're on that bridge. They're both grappling with the lightsaber, and you really get the sense that that scene could have gone any way. Um, so for for a force sensitive like Luke or Leia, you don't necessarily get the um, you know it's like the destruction of Alderaan. You only know it when it happens. You don't see the future. Yeah, that's another great scene in the book. Mm. Um, is Leia actually sensing the destruction of Hos- the Hosnian system? Mm. Mm. Like they, they don't get to watch it the way they do in the movie, and I understand in the movie her introduction is pitch perfect in the movie. Yeah. Um. So introducing her beforehand, uh, introducing her beforehand wouldn't have worked through the I, film, but doing it I in actually, the book, it's great. I don't know. I think I, I'm of a mind that I would have wanted to have seen Leia earlier, and it's it's always nice to see her. A reunion with Han, and that that really touches at the heartstrings. But at the same time, it makes it defines her in relationship to Han, and it doesn't show us her, you know, operating on her own. And I think having her watch the destruction of the Hosnian system, or you know, be involved in some other operation before we see her, 
touchdown on that planet. Well, there were definitely, there were at least two scenes that she was in before then in the book. One of them was her sort of sensing that destruction. The other mm. was her sending her envoy to plead with them right, on her right. behalf. Yeah. Um, so, it, and may, I mean, that stuff couldn't have hurt the film. Yeah. And, and again, I think there would have been room had we not had to have attacked Starkiller Base and destroyed it in the same movie. Well, it's, I guess it just makes you... Um, it makes you appreciative for how good George Lucas is. Mm. Because, I, you know, those early reviews of A New Hope, it was the same thing about attacking the Death Star. It was they got out, they got away, they got the plans, they should have killed it in the next movie. Mm. But no, George Lucas insisted on them having having it happen then and there uh, because he didn't know if he was going to have anything else. Right, and he did later regret it. I mean, that's what, uh, that was his big problem with Return of the Jedi. He's like, but I, I don't I guess I've got to do the same thing. But I, I don't think anybody would argue with how effective those scenes mm. are. Would say like, no, they shouldn't have killed that Death Star in right. A New Hope, especially with the the landscape of the galaxy. It gives the Empire in. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, because if they still have the Death Star by the time Empire starts, you yeah. know how many other planets could they have destroyed? There's so much. I mean, I feel like there's so much more nuance that you could do with Starkiller Base. I mean, the fact that it can destroy a sun uh, just just to gain energy. I feel like that power alone could have been interesting enough to explore in this movie. We didn't actually need to see it fire. Uh, we could have actually seen it destroy the Hosnian system by simply sucking the life out of the Hosnian star. Yeah, you know that that would have been enough. I've I've had, but I then remember, but then the Republic fleet would have attacked them pretty immediately. Like, hey, get your hmm. planet out of here, guys! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how do they you know, move maybe a planet they... around anyway? <laughs> yes, we don't we don't see the uh, Starkiller base in hyperspace. I think that would have been a great scene as well. And that that is one thing I did notice. Uh, not on the first time, maybe not even the second time, but in subsequent viewings, uh, the fleet surrounding the Hosnian system that gets mm. that gets destroyed. Ah, uh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, next time you take a look at it, uh, you'll notice around the the planet there's probably fifteen capital ships that get just mm. smashed to bits. Oh, interesting. Did you also have you been on the lookout for the, the supposed supposed appearance of a uh, certain blue admiral in uh, in Hux's speech? I I did not see him. <laughs> this was the rumor for a while that behind Hux in in his mad his wonderfully madcap speech at Starkiller Base was one blue guy, and uh, I've seen it a number of times. I've not seen any blue guys, so I think we can. I've- yeah, I've probably lay that to rest. <laughs> I uh yeah, if they're going to bring Thrawn in, I can't imagine mm. it's going to be it's going to be as a throwaway in a background scene. Right. Right. Like if they're going to use him, I imagine they'd go all in. Right. And same thing with Mara Jade. I mean, if if Rey is uh Luke's daughter, then we have to raise the question of who is the mother. And, and so at that point, are we going to get a lot of like flashbacks in episode 8? Yeah, see, this is why I don't think she's Luke's daughter, because I think that's a lose-lose proposition. Right. Uh, because you have to, it does raise this very distracting point about who is the mother. For a lot of for a lot of people in my family or friends who aren't, you know, who've only seen Star Wars a handful of times, the, their big question is, who is Ray's mother if it is, if she is Luke's daughter? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to explain to, to general people that. But what if it's something like... Uh... You know, like when Obi-Wan explained it to Luke who his parents really were, we didn't need flashbacks to imagine mm. what Anakin might have been like back in that era. Mm-hmm. And when we're actually introduced to Vader as saying, I'm your father, um, again, like we didn't need the prequels to latch onto that as a good thing to watch. Yeah, but we mm. live in a different time, Brian. I think people with instant gratification and instant information online that they would want to know. I think it's it's more the problem of you're damned if you do and you don't if you don't. If you yeah. do make it Mara Jade, then fans will be screaming to see her on yeah. the screen and will be upset that we that we didn't get to see her. Um that we missed our chance. And if you don't make it Mara Jade, then you get fans screaming it should have been Mara Jade. So Yeah. 
This is why I think, and it also sort of complicates the image of Luke as this Yoda-like uh, hermit. You know, we. Uh, I, th- I think uh, <laughs> meeting Yoda on Dagobah might have been a little more distracting if we'd had to uh, discuss, you know, who, whom he'd been seeing, whether whether Yaddle was a was a was a former crush of his, or yeah. you know. I I just I think for me just with everything, all the theories and everything. That- that I've heard and talked about since we've seen the movie. I don't know. The more I see the movie, Brian, I think that if she was just a random person, just a new person in the force, I'd be fine with that. I'm guessing I'll be fine with just about whoever they reveal her to be. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the, the Kenobi theory is cool, but I don't know. Well, well, however they're going to do it, they're going to do it in a way that, uh, they're going to do it in a way that's going to satisfy us as far as the storytelling, right? Mm hmm. We didn't need to see, you know, Ben become born and trained and turn for us to believe that that was Han Solo's son. Mm. You know, they can they can tell us who she is and we'll figure it out and they'll do it in a way that makes us satisfied, but probably also raises as many questions as it answers. Yes, maybe Ray will turn out to have some memories of uh, of her mother. Smiling, looking sad, whatever, <laughs> whatever Leia's line was in Return of the Jedi. You know, what if she's in a berry? Hmm. That could be. I don't know. Anything could be. Know. That's what's so interesting. <laughs> That's what I love so much about Star Wars right now. And that we don't, I, like, this doesn't have to end for the foreseeable future. Oh, no, it doesn't. Yes. Because, you know, that the whole thing has been for months has been episode seven is the finish line to, to learn what happens and to see everybody again and to find out, you know, all these new stories and all that's left is more questions and, yep. and a longer Star wait. Wars, yeah. Star Wars thrives on mystery and it always has. And, you know, the best example of that was, was the mystery at the end of Empire Strikes Back, the discussions that, that continued in every playground in America for the next three years uh, and in the UK. Um, you know, and that's what we're going to get again. That's what I love about this. We are going to spend the next year and a half debating these exact questions, thinking about it from every angle. And, uh, yeah, the movie will be continuing in our minds that whole time. Well, what I would like to ask them, Brian, is for anybody who wants to uh, share with us, we've, we have gotten a lot of emails, and I've had a lot of people approach me about theories and all that, but I would like to uh, recommend that if anybody has a theory or a question or something they, they believe is going to happen or we should expect that they email us at holocronatfullofsith.com and share that with us so we can... We can talk about it. And um, Chris, I know we don't ever ask you on just to uh, just to promote your book because <laughs> we, we like talking to you, but we also like your book. Uh, it's out in paperback now, right? Yeah, it is out in paperback, and uh, you can get it at all book, good booksellers and online booksellers. It's called How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. And uh, if you haven't picked it up, please do. It's, it's also now available in Italian, German, Japanese... Taiwanese and uh, Brazilian Portuguese. Look at you! How, how was the uh, South American trip? Fantastic! It's the the fans there are so passionate. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the pictures of the different covers that they have down there, like the different cover for no. New Dawn. Uh, it is amazing. They the artists that they commission. There's this fantastic image, for example, of the cover of New Dawn, but also, I mean, all of the 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 Tim Zahn series that uh, that, that Tim was selling down there. Um, just, just take a look if you can. It's, it's all over Tumblr. Uh, you know, the, the name of my publishers down there was Aleph, uh, Editora Aleph, and, and they just commissioned the most amazing artwork for the covers of the book. So do check that out. Even if you're not a, uh, a speaker of Portuguese, um, the, the covers of these books will just blow you away. Yeah. I'm good to check that out. Also real quick before we go, uh, last time we had you, we had you on the show, we were talking about the paperback and you kindly mm-hmm. sent Anya a copy of it and, and wrote some kind words in it, and I, I don't know. I mean, I know I texted you, but not verbally. That really made her day. Uh-huh. She took that book with her to school every day until we went away to go to Salt Lake to see the movie. So, um, meant a lot to her, and she loves it. And uh, thank you very, very much. You made her birthday. That's so awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, besides that, Brian has books too. You should probably buy them as well, Brian. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, see, he's he's a self promoter like no, no. other. 
No, uh, uh, go to my go to my website, brianyoungfiction.com, or just look up Brian Young on Amazon or find booksellers wherever, and uh, you'll find my books. There's a collection of very Star Wars-like short stories out called Escape Vector you all might like. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, we have plenty and of time. My books, if my books at the moment were more Star Wars related, I'd be more excited to promote them, Mike. Well, you have a show. You I should probably talk about it. We can't all be Chris Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Nicole will come someday. You, you, will, you will write a Star Wars story in the uh, official new canon, I'm sure of it. I, I, I can only hope. Well, well, Chris, thanks for coming on and joining us this week. It's great talking to you. I know that we uh, said something about it before the movie. I'm, I'm happy to hear your thoughts on it. I'm happy to hear your experiences. That's awesome. And uh, we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, let's let's talk after the next four times I see it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it'll change. It'll definitely change. I'll, oh I'll, yeah, I'll be two more deep in it by the middle of the week. So we shall we shall see. I have some stuff to look forward to now. I'm gonna have to look for things I haven't looked for before because I didn't see those ships around the system, Brian. I didn't mm. see no, it. look look for that and seriously, like try to pick out. I I swear, and I could be. I thought I was imagining Obi Wan the first time I heard it too, though, but. Uh, listen for for Palpatine's laughter yeah. in the Force Vision. Yeah, it's, like right, it's it's like right around the whole Order sixty six feeling moment. Mm. Is yeah. it so amazing that we can't just watch the YouTube video over yeah. and over? Wow. <laughs> well, and that's why I really just want to frame by frame this movie. And yeah. I'm surprised by how many like memes and gifts there are from the movie, and it hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. Like uh, that traitor trooper, or uh, you know, I've seen animated gifts from all kinds of cool moments from the movie because they're already part of like the social consciousness already, and the movie's been out for a week. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not at all people sneaking their phones into theaters. I'm surprised that we got back from the second screening, and I went home, and then there was already a link in my email to pre-order episode seven. Uh it's i'm like maybe i can get it for the next week now but, yeah that's gonna change everything yeah all right well if you want to check us out on our uh web page it's fullsith.com there you can find our contact information like our twitter at full sith at the mic at swankmotron at amy underscore geek chris what is your uh, future boy on future boy on twitter yeah Correct. there you go and then uh also facebook.com slash full sith go there and like us if you haven't already and then again like i said earlier holocron at full sith.com is where you can email us and let us know your thoughts there are a lot that a lot more brian that i have to forward to you there's some good stuff in there and there's some also some crazy theories some strange i like strange and crazy yeah strange weird things uh, like before we Oh, go ahead. No, just uh, like I was telling you before the show, people arguing with me that Kylo is still Luke Skywalker. Luke. <laughs> I, I think Adam Driver might have a thing or two to say about that. <laughs> you think? <laughs> what were you going to um, say, Brian? Before we go, I think it's important to note that uh, as of with yesterday's grosses, uh, The Force Awakens has passed The Phantom Menace to become the highest grossing Star Wars film of all time. Well, thank God. Uh, thank God for So that. it's made domestically 440 million dollars wow that's more money than i have that's for sure chris let me ask you just beginning let me ask you one more thing before we go put you on the spot we had uh, bobby had us answer this last week where do you put force Uh awakens in your top star wars movies list i don't know that i'm ready to make that determination that's what brian said said yeah we didn't let him get away with it no it's somewhere between two and four. That's that's all I can say. That's close enough. Between Attack <laughs> of the Clones and no, <laughs> between the second and fourth favorite. Yes. See. Yeah. So, so third, why didn't you like... just say third? Because <laughs> it could be second. It could be fourth. Somewhere in between Correct. there. Yes. It's it's not. Its position is not yet settled, and I think I need to. I'll probably need to watch the Blu-ray and watch it in conjunction with the other Blu-rays before I make the final. Uh, I have to see it at least 20 more times before I can really make it, you know, for sure. I do know that I said last week that Force Awakens did set up Episode 8 to really be something outstanding. And I hope it is. I hope it is. I will I will say this. I mean, I, I said that, it. you know, the first hour was a perfect hour of filmmaking. I think the first hour is my equal favorite hour of Star Wars with the last hour of Empire. Yeah, that says a lot. It is. It's such. It's a, such a good first hour. You're absolutely right. Sitting here thinking about it, it's so good. Hmm. We should all 
let's just take a break. Let's go see the movie again. Yep, that's, where, <laughs> that's what we're going to have to do. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us. And Brian, is there anything else you want to note? Or are we good for this week? No, I think we're good. Uh, I hope everybody had a good Christmas. I hope you got to see the movie a thousand times. I got that giant sized TIE fighter from my wife for Christmas. So I'm very, very pleased with that. And that being said, now I have to go to an anniversary dinner for her father because she treats me so good and I have to be a good husband. So and ne- next week I want to talk about, uh, fans. Yeah. Being better, better people than like love force awakens, but don't crap on other parts of star Wars or star Wars fans. When you do it, or vice I'll leave versa. it at that. I'll leave it at that, and we'll talk about it next week. All right, we'll talk about it next week. Thanks again, Chris, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. I love Star Wars. I know. All right, so that is it. It's episode 147 of Full Sith. Thanks again to Chris Taylor for joining us tonight. It's always interesting to hearing other people's theories, and that's why. Uh, This last week, Brian, has been amazing, because everyone has has come up to me at work with what they think, and uh, emails and texts, and people on the street when I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt or they see my tattoos. It's been an amazing week, and it's been a lot of Star Wars talk. I'm almost exhausted, but I think I have some more left in me. I've got plenty more left in me. <laughs> I'm still like, I'm so sick. Like yesterday for, for Christmas, I went to uh, I went to family's house. I literally spent the entire time sleeping in the back because I wasn't feeling well. Uh-huh. And they said, hey, we're going to the movie. We're going to the movies. What, what, what do you want to see? And it's like, oh, we're going to see Star Wars. Let's go. Yeah. You got up for it. Yeah. 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 We talked about it all day yesterday, too. It was awesome. It was a good Christmas. So episode 147 of Full of Sith for Brian Young. And and again, thanks to Chris Taylor. I am the Mike Pilot. May the force be with you always. If you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.